carefully, reflecting that animals seem to feel death as keenly as people. On second thoughts, perhaps you'd rather stay with your mistress for a while. Tell you what, dear, I'll bring you a bowl of bread and milk when I come back. And with that, Dimity hurried home to Tower Bank to fetch her brother, Captain Miles Woodcock, Justice of the Peace for Sorry District, who was always called upon when someone died and knew exactly what must be done. The news of Miss Tolliver's unexpected death spread swiftly through near Sorry. Agnes Llewellyn, who lived at High Greengate, the farmhouse next up Market Street, met Dimity coming out of Anvil Cottage and heard what had happened. Agnes hurried back home to fetch the black crape mourning wreath she had hung on her own mother's door some months before. Some might say it was unlucky to use the same crape, but Agnes, a practical person, couldn't see the sense in letting a very good bit of crape go to waste. And now that Miss Tolliver was departed, what worse luck could there be? Betty Leach, gathering the last striped marrows in the frost-kissed garden of Buckle Yate, heard the sad news from Mary, Agnes Llewellyn's daughter. She set down her garden basket, told ten-year-old Ruth, who was home from school with a bad cold, to mind the babies, and went to help Agnes hang the crepe. That done, she hurried round to the back of Anvil Cottage, where Miss Tolliver kept two hives of bees, to tell them the news of their mistress's passing. It was always good practice to tell the hive courteously and with respect for their feelings, so that the bees didn't decline and die in sympathy with the departed, or take offence and fly off in search of new quarters. The bees properly informed, Betty went knocking on the doors of the cottages on Market Street, and sent her oldest daughter, Rachel, to tell those who lived on Graithwaite Lane. Up the hill, at Castle Cottage, Viola Crabbe learnt of Miss Tolliver's death from the baker's boy from Hawkshead, when he delivered the usual weekly order of two loaves, a half-dozen glazed currant buns, and three seed-wigs, one for each of the three Misses Crabbe. The boy had stopped at Anvil Cottage on his way up Market Street, and heard the news from Dimity Woodcock, who had answered his knock at the door. Viola Crabbe immediately went to tell her sister Pansy, who, clad in a voluminous purple morning dress that expressed her artistic nature, was playing the piano in the sitting-room. "'Oh, dear!' Pansy exclaimed, flinging the end of her fringed purple scarf over her shoulder. "'Whoever will I find to take dear Abigail's soprano solo in Let Us with a Gladsome Mind?' Pansy led the Sorry Choral Society. "'I'm sure I don't know,' Viola said in her shrill, reedy voice. "'Matilda Crook, perhaps, although her high G is liable to be appallingly flat. Abigail reached it so easily, and truly, she shall be missed.' She took out her handkerchief and touched her eyes. "'Oh, yes, she shall be sorely missed.' Her voice trembled. Viola gave dramatic readings and had schooled herself in the effective expression of grief. "'It's odd that Myrtle didn't mention an illness,' Pansy said, referring to the third Miss Crabbe, their older sister, who was a teacher and headmistress at Sorry School. "'Didn't she stop to have a chat with Abigail yesterday evening?' "'I believe so,' 
Viola replied and put her handkerchief away. No, I must go and look out my good black. I shall want it for the funeral. Within the half hour, Joseph Skeed, the sexton at St. Peter's, was ringing the passing bell in slow and steady strokes. Six strokes and a pause, then six more, to let the parish know that it was a woman who had died. If the departed had been a man, Joseph would have rung nine, or three for a child. Around the twin hamlets of near and far Sorry, and out on the waters of Lake Windermere, the men looked up from their work to tally the peals and wonder who had died. And in all the cottages and gardens within earshot, the women paused as they stirred soup on the stove or picked the last runner beans in their gardens, listening and counting and feeling a little shiver as the ringing went on and on.